the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Well, welcome to Education America, where we are working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Join the conversation. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. It's so very true. Yes, I'm so glad to have Abigail, of course, my wonderful co-host with us today. What are we going to talk about today, Abigail? So this is, we're going to we're going to do something a little bit different mm-hmm. today. Um, you know, I think that most of our audience knows um, while Twitter can be a little bit of a cesspool and a time suck um, away from productivity, it also is you really get to hear from people that otherwise you would never hear from and kind of in these short, truncated little things that catch your attention and really make you think. Um, so uh, today we're, tonight we're going to be talking about this culture of victimhood. Mm-hmm. And I think that anyone who's listening will recognize Man, this stuff is everywhere. It's in you know social media posts. It's in news articles. Um, it's even you know you could even make the argument that it's um, in how parents parent their kids, mm-hmm. how teachers are teaching to students in the classroom. And I saw this tweet online, and it was interesting because it's by a rapper, and I don't listen to rap music. Um, but what caught my attention was um, he's been doing some interviews different places and this his his name is Zubi. He is uh, uh, originally from Nigeria, I believe, and has lived internationally. But what caught my attention was, man, this guy's really going against the grain. I've actually never listened to his music, but I was caught by his some of the trademarks of this gentleman is he doesn't swear. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's that's, that's surprising for that's, a rapper. That's pretty unusual. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he doesn't drink alcohol. And I thought, well, that's mm. also just mm-hmm. what an unusual area to be making, you know, earning your living right. in rap music with and those with those two values. things. Mm-hmm. And he, so I was reading some things that he had placed on Twitter and this one caught my attention and I, and honestly, I just, it stuck with me for mm. a while. I bookmarked it and I went back to it. Um, And so I'll just read this to you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, really, I just thought it would be fun to just talk about this Mm -hmm. today, because I think that these are things that 
everyone is experiencing this, you know, constant messaging of things are too hard. So take this easy way. Um, You know, even I mean, you want to take a really easy example is cooking. You know how often, you know, oh, let's just go get go get quick takeout or whatever, Mm -hmm. because and that's not that's a very odd example. But it's kind of once you start thinking about it. It's almost like you can't unsee it. It's kind mm-hmm. of everywhere. So mm-hmm. it was really interesting. So um, and kind of once again, going to number one, how did we get here? And number two, um, if you are a parent or a grandparent or even just someone that is around young minds, how do we help them not succumb to this mm-hmm. mentality? Mm-hmm. And am I as the you know adult influencer in that? child's life whether it's a student or your child or grandchild how is my life showing them a path that is different Mm. and better Mm -hmm. um so it was just really interesting but the tweet uh, by this musician rapper zuby was he says if you're confused by why victim mentality is so attractive and he just lists five reasons why the victim mentality is so attractive number one it provides a permanent alibi for personal failures. <laughs> and Isn't I will tell true? you that <clears throat> I, you know, mm-hmm. that smacked upside my head mm-hmm. a little bit. And mm-hmm. I went, oh, mm-hmm. it's never your fault. Boy. And how many of us have run into children like that or mm-hmm. sometimes our own children, sadly, sometimes. No. Um, but or how many people we know where there is always an excuse yep. for why something is wrong in their life or what they've done. And it always comes back to, I am the victim. Mm-hmm. And in some cases it's true, yes. right? They they have good reason yes. to feel like a victim. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I think it's a little harder for people to get past that because they have some real baggage that they're carrying. Yes. But for many, many people, it is just the alibi. I love that word alibi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it provides a permanent alibi for personal failures. And I think, sadly, it also then doesn't ever provide you the motivation to try to overcome. Yes. Because if you always have a permanent alibi for failure, then why would you ever continue to try to overcome? Because you're always mm-hmm. going to go back to that victimhood alibi. Yeah. And um, how unhealthy, but really in the long run, Mm -hmm. right? And I've just thought a lot about, you know, what is it that encourages, and I'll be honest, when I read that, I I thought about that one a lot and Mm -hmm. thought, that's really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, for someone where I, you know, would say I'm fairly healthy and trying to examine and have a reasonable Mm self-assessment. That's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. How you know? often do you? Yes. How use often the victimhood? How often? Alibi? Say mm-hmm. with parenting. You know, you are you are more frustrated with your children than you wish. And in my mind, it's well, if you wouldn't do, you know, if you mm-hmm. child wouldn't yes. do X for the thousandth time, I wouldn't get so mad. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and I mean that is that's very convicting to mm-hmm. to think through. Mm-hmm. That's. I'm using a victim mentality. Well, my kids are frustrating me so Mm -hmm. much. So it justifies whatever, you know, maybe a less than ideal parenting Mm -hmm. response. This Mm -hmm. is not the response that will edify them, that will encourage them, that will challenge them. Instead, it's I'm just kind of I'm being frustrated 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not being deliberate in how I help shape this moment. Right. right. Um, mm-hmm. And so in that regard, I, I thought about that a mm-hmm. lot. But you do you think about, you know, a variety of different things. And I really was just thinking, how much better would we be if we were willing to just sit with that? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> to really teach our kids, you're looking at it from the perspective of yourself as a parent getting angry and blaming it on the fact that your child does something for the thousandth time that you've told them not to do. But I'm even looking at it from the perspective of how do you raise your kids to not do that, yeah. right? So you've got four kids, Abigail. I raised four children. And when they go after each other, what's the first thing they do when they get in a fight? They come running to mom and dad and they point their finger at the other one. They did this to me and that's why I punched them in the gut or whatever. Yeah. You know, we had four boys. So yeah. often for us, it was that kind of a story. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I found over the years that, um, thankfully with my boys, they were being, he- they were being raised in a healthy home by a mom and dad who love them and with a strong Christian faith. And what we found to be the most effective with their angry outbursts was having them look up Proverbs. And I would actually have my boys, when they got into these type of outbursts, I would just say, look, both of you got angry, right? Mm -hmm. I don't care really who started it, but you both, your reactions, you need to learn how to work through these things. And so I would have them look up Bible verses, usually Proverbs, uh-huh. on anger, and I would have them write them out, and and then how am I going to act differently? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it, it really was effective, because then they're getting the Word of God in their hearts, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's really addressing that victim mentality, because they're having to take responsibility for the fact that they demonstrated anger Mm -hmm. in a situation in a context that was inappropriate. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously we all know that there's righteous anger and that type of thing, but you know, I'm talking about kids here. Yeah. (laughs) So definitely not the righteous anger situation (laughs) here. Um, But I also, I found that that was also really effective when they played the victim mentality on homework or Mm. um, you know, I just don't, I don't want to have to, do this paper. I mean, we have so much homework, you know, I don't know why I have to do that now or you know, that type of thing. And one of my lines was right out of Proverbs too. I would, I would say to the kids, I would make them say the end, you know, mm-hmm. what happens to the lazy person? Mm-hmm. They don't eat. They would tell yes. me, you know, and that's right out of Proverbs too. And so I would ask them again, if they were being lazy, I would have them look up Proverbs on laziness and have them again, write that out. And so I think when they get those things into those, those, um, truths really mm-hmm. into their hearts in those contexts, it causes them to have to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. I mean, this happened repeatedly, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and did they enjoy doing it? Of course not. No. Um, but at the same time, I knew that it was doing them good. And I do have four sons who know how to work hard and know how to keep their anger in check, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think these types of strategies are so much better than, for instance, a parent giving in to that whining nature about homework and then going and complaining to the teacher, complaining to the school. You know, my son says there's way too much homework or my son says he wasn't you know, given enough time for this or that, or 
you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a tendency that we see in, um, parents today. And I, I mm-hmm. would say that thankfully the parents at the school that I run are much less likely to be this way than in mm-hmm. other contexts. But the general sense that I see in parenting that's even changed since my husband and I were raising our children is there seems to be an automatic belief that their child can do no wrong and they must believe the child versus believing the teacher. Mm -hmm. And what does that do? That gives legitimacy to a child's complaints. In other words, it gives legitimacy to playing the victim mm-hmm. and it works. They might oh, yeah. get out of having to do a test. It, they might get extra time on that homework assignment. And then is that really going to help them in life or are we creating snowflake children? Yes. Right. Um, that victim mentality really does lead to snowflake children. Because there are times when you get one shot yeah. at whatever it is. There are, you know, and, you know, they're always, you know, legitimate excuses or reasons sometimes why certain things don't happen. And I know, you know, just as parents, that's our job to figure out where is that line of grace or, yep, I realize you got the flu. So mm-hmm. clearly, you know, whatever right. it is. Of course. But, yes. But there are some things and and it's hard as a parent to help young kids see sometimes there aren't do overs. Mm-hmm. You got you had that one shot. And sometimes the whole world is kind of against you in mm-hmm. in making whatever it is happen and yet try try yeah. your best mm-hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't mean you'll succeed mm-hmm. sometimes it means you had one shot and maybe you weren't prepared or you were prepared and you still didn't mm-hmm. make it or get you know get the part in the play or tried out for a team or the first place ribbon but you Mm -hmm. but how good for them to see what real effort even if the reward isn't you know a huge trumpet fanfare and you you know you have this you know wonderful conclusion sometimes Mm -hmm. it's the best thing is sometimes you do you give your all and things still don't work out the way that you want but what a wonderful life lesson yeah um, yep. Because there are times where you can you give your mm-hmm. all at whatever mm-hmm. it is, and it just doesn't work the way that you wish that it would mm-hmm. have been the way that your all your efforts had focused you towards. Mm-hmm. So, but it's still like you say a good life lesson. Yes, you know at Liberty, one of our values is undaunted perseverance, and mm-hmm. so you're kind of touching on that. That <clears throat> excuse me, we are trying to instill in the students at Liberty um, that hard work is important and pushing through barriers is important and it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy. And I think that again, our culture along with the victim mentality also comes this idea that things should be easy. And if yeah. it's not easy, then I must be a victim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, we are so far removed from the previous generations and how hard they worked to give their children, what we had growing up and then what we've been able to give our children um, and now what your generation is giving your children, Abigail. And I think the longer we go away from, you know, that the the greatest generation, I think is what they're labeled, the World Mm -hmm. War II generation, 
um, people tend to take for granted the ease of life and assume that it should just come to them. Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't, they feel like the victim. Well, yes. I did, why didn't I get that raise? Why are they only offering me this much money right out of the gate? You know, I should be able to get paid this much right when I graduate from college or what have you. Mm-hmm. And there is this expectation of being given everything. Mm-hmm. And then when that doesn't happen, then feeling, feeling frustrated, feeling like the victim. And so, yes, that is something that we are trying to help our students at Liberty understand that life isn't easy yes, and it is hard. And if you want to maximize your gifts and talents, it means pushing through barriers. It means going through difficult times, not always winning the blue ribbon, Mm -hmm. not always making the grade, but still trying and getting up off the ground and trying again. And that's one of my favorite aspects of Liberty. And again, my kids are very young, but I want them to start internalizing at a young age. Sometimes you are going to work so hard and you still won't get the blue ribbon. Someone else Mm -hmm. will get it or Mm -hmm. you won't get the, um, one of my sons, he loves when his teacher, um, he's, he's a little bit of a, I think we'll be working with maybe some perfectionistic tendencies with him. Um, but I love how hard he works and he, um, loves to learn he knows the difference between if the teacher puts, you know, five out of five or whatever. Mm -hmm. But sometimes if his work is really good, she'll put a five over five and then she'll put a wow. Oh, and he knows. So he wants that wow every time. He wants the wow. (laughs) And and he'll make argue. Well, and mom, I don't understand why I didn't get the wow here. And he's, you know, and it's, and again, it's just a silly thing, but Mm -hmm. you know, and working with him on, Hey bud, the point is, is that you, worked hard and you did your best. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes you'll get the wow and sometimes, sometimes you won't. <laughs> it's a good life lesson, honey. Yeah, <laughs> right. learn this young. This uh, is how it works. Well, but. you are listening to Education America on AM 1280, The Patriot. And this is Abigail Johnson and Rebecca Hagstrom. And we are discussing the influence of the victim mentality in our culture. Um, mostly we've been talking about parenting, but... We're seeing a lot of this happen in schools. I think I did mention that, too, that so often now today parents are um, going back to a teacher or a principal rather than their own child. Mm-hmm. Um, when problems occur, they assume that when the child plays victim, that they really are the victim. And that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. And and what does that do for them? But another direction that I'd like us to talk about briefly, too, is how that victim mentality is really at the core of the whole critical theory. Um, This idea that one oppressed class um, is is such a victim that we need to now basically flip the tables and make the other people the oppressed class Mm -hmm. so that they're the victims. And, um, you know, I I look at, again, kind of touching on what I just said a little few moments ago, we live in probably the most prosperous time of the United States of America. And that goes for all races, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And yet we are going to focus on the negatives that happened 200 years ago that are bad or 150 years ago. Sadly, it took a while to get rid of slavery in this Mm -hmm. nation. But no person who lives in this country any longer is a slave, right? Mm -hmm. And there are things that are still wrong with our culture. And I would argue the biggest wrong where the victim mentality is legitimate Mm -hmm. is sadly in our public schools 
in the inner cities where so many of these children are not getting a true education. So they're not getting a shot at life. Absolutely. And yet, ironically, the very people promoting this whole critical theory don't want to fix the inner city schools in a way that would really work, which Mm -hmm. is via school choice. Mm -hmm. Get those kids out and into schools that are going to serve them well. Instead, they just keep throwing money at something that never changes and test scores go down. Um, And so sadly, there are real reasons for people to feel like victims when they are not even getting a fair shot at a true education. And that just makes me, it literally makes me boil with anger inside when I know what kids can be getting and should be getting Mm -hmm. um, and they're not getting it. It, it really does and what enrage they're capable me. of yes and what they're capable of exactly um, you know just going you can do this even yeah. if you've not had um, an ideal or you know if you've had a very difficult home life um, if you've not had adults reading to you every mm-hmm. night you know I'm all the things you. that mm-hmm. and loving you and giving you that stability there are you know having a school that has consistency and who pushes kids to achieve this is the best shot that they have Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of and hopefully those teachers can and that administration can provide some of that stability Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. they've maybe not nothing would ever take place of obviously what is happening in the home but Mm -hmm. this is their best shot yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah and we've and we've seen some schools that are doing that and it's it's wonderful to see that but Mm -hmm. but by and large this whole critical theory based on on you know setting schools aside mm-hmm. um we are we are seeing kids being given or being given a message that they are a victim mm-hmm. if they are of a minority status and we've said often on the show when we've covered critical race theory that that is not doing these kids any favor to say well we're not going to hold you to the same standard academically or we're not going to hold you to the same standard behaviorally mm-hmm. um we're just going to let you basically take control of the classroom. We just had a teacher on Bruce Ringeman who um, talked about his experience, sadly, in one of the St. Paul public schools where basically there is no structured learning taking place. It's, it's kind of a free for all that is not teaching those kids how to live successfully in society. Exactly. What, what, you know, what overcoming stories are we going to hear out of those environments where, you know, none, we're not going to hear stories like that where they were able to overcome, um, again, a legitimately very, you know, could be a very difficult life. And um, and we won't hear those stories. And I think that that is, you know, something our culture we need more of. We need to hear these stories of people who did overcome mm-hmm. and chose to do the work. I, I've thought about how much how different is it even in the movies mm-hmm. that are being made now versus the things that I watched or, you know, uh, people, you know, things that were being made 20 to 50 years ago. And I'm thinking what I grew up was watching was, you know, a story about a a boy or a dog or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know. But it was always they had to overcome something just so difficult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you'd and instead of them collapsing, you'd watch them getting up early and maybe it was boxing or jump roping or you know they you see them kind of go to an extreme level of commitment and dedication to reach the school or they're studying or whatever it was and and I think now 
gosh, I don't think I've seen a movie like that in a long time mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. a story of someone who it's always this person was oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it, it always mm-hmm. has this, you know, mm-hmm. it's not this goal that we can all resonate with. Instead, it, even in that, it divides. But, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're talking about critical theory and things. And it's really interesting because the rest of this tweet, he kind of goes through, he says, the whole tweet was, if you're confused by why victim mentality is so attractive, one, it provides a permanent alibi for personal failures. Mm-hmm. Two, it attracts attention. Mm-hmm. Three, it, it generates sympathy. Mm-hmm. Four, it acts as social currency with like-minded people. And I think that is, you know, so much of, you know, where a lot of this critical mm-hmm. theory, um, where it continues to thrive mm-hmm. is is it is a social currency. And then five, it, it disguises negative traits and actions as values as virtues oh mm-hmm. virtues there mm-hmm. we go yeah mm-hmm. which is even a stronger word yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> yeah as you were reading these off the social social currency one really resonated with me as i recently had a conversation with our former um student who was got who got stuck in afghanistan and uh-huh. um she just came and spoke at our school she's back she's safe thankfully um, but she's attending a school out on the East Coast that she talked about how it's it purports to be a school of free speech. Yet she says, and this is a woman coming out of Afghanistan, right? Mm. <laughs> An oppressive culture for women, especially. She says, but this school doesn't really believe in free speech. Mm. You really can't speak up unless you agree with the the social currency that is on that campus, which is leftist ideology. And she's sitting in these classes and she literally feels like she cannot speak up because when she does, she gets Mm -hmm. lambasted, even though she's from a foreign culture where she truly was an oppressed individual. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just, it, it's interesting because I do think that social currency is a big motivator, especially in the absence of religion being a primary driver in our country the way it used to be you know Mm -hmm. we are living in a post-christian culture here in america and that used to be so much of the driving force behind people's values and their beliefs and even how they spent their time Mm -hmm. you know i grew up in a family that was church going and boy we were at church all the time my parents volunteered and we were doing so much there and with that being no longer the case in so many more individuals, especially in young people, mm-hmm. it's created a vacuum, yep. a vacuum of time, but also a vacuum of values. And so they're looking for belonging and they're yes. not getting it in the church. They're not getting it through their faith. So if they can get this social currency by being the victim mm-hmm. that draws them together and that gives them a sense of purpose. Yes. It belonging. almost becomes like a religion to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting, isn't it? Well, especially if you're spending, you know, so much more time of your social time in your interaction, your social interaction occurs online. Yeah. You know, yeah. not with real friends face to face. Find you know you you get to know each other's uh, you know kind of the high points and the low points of your friendship and you know who that person is all of the amazing things and all of the things mm-hmm. you think oh that's kind of weird yeah. you know yeah um you don't have to do that online and so I think that that it does you're looking so much more for depth yes um and mm-hmm. looking for genuine connection and yet mm-hmm. you know doing it online that's not the medium for that and they don't you know not every student has adults in their life 
helping them and instructing them mm-hmm. on this isn't where to find right. what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Well, um, we are already at the end of our time. It's amazing how fast it goes, isn't it, Abigail? Um, but, you know, we, we do hope that our, our listeners were able to really resonate with some of the conversation that we were having about victimhood and the negative consequences it really has on our culture. Um, but thank you for being with us tonight. And we do hope that you will listen to this podcast and all of our other podcasts at savetheclassroom.com. We also hope that you will follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And Abigail, as always, you and I could talk forever and ever and ever. (laughs) We are two peas in a pod, aren't we? (laughs) Have a good night, everyone. Yeah, listen to us again next week at Education America on AM 1280, The Patriot. Have a great night. We'll see you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.